and welcome to our first edition of the CBB Review Studio Podcast. I am Dan Siegel. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Anderson. And today, Ethan, Carbo- Ethan Carbone sorry, joins us as well. C- CBB Review Studio, by the way, is the new podcast for CBB Review. We are going to be more of an analysis-based podcast as opposed to Matt's podcast, who is more of interviews that one CBB Review courtside. So... Just for clarification there, but yeah, Ben is going to be our regular co-host. We'll have a revolving door of people from CBB Review to be the third person on our podcast, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Today, we are going to preview the six power conference tournaments, and before we get started, how we how we doing? Ben, I'll start with you. Doing well. Can't wait. You know, Monday's the, uh, the off day for college basketball, if you want to call it that, but ready to get into conference tournaments starting tomorrow. Yeah. Ethan, you doing well? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, for it being an off day, we have two auto bids on the line tonight. I'm excited. Uh, if this yeah. is an off day, I'd take an off day seven days a week. <laughs> totally agree. I think, what do we have now? Five bids that have been decided in mid-major conferences, and after today, seven, is that correct? Yep. Yeah. So today we're going to preview the power conference tournaments. Like I said, we're going to start with the ACC and these are now we, we have a bigger picture of actually where these teams will wind up in the tournament. These are not one bit leagues, obviously. And, you know, we, we talk about power conference tournaments. Honestly, my opinion is that they don't mean to as much for the seating as opposed to regular season games, I'd like to bring up two prime examples. One of them actually in the ACC being Virginia tech, who I believe was an 11 seed last year after winning their power conference tournament, they won the ACC. They got the auto bid, but it indicated that if they had not won that game, they probably would not have been in at all. And then also Texas A&M who won what three, four games in the SEC tournament made it all the way to the championship last year. And they didn't get in at all, even though everybody expected them to based on that resume boost. So based on where teams are right now, I feel like it's kind of almost solidified unless something really bad happens. But yeah, starting with the ACC, what's the main storyline here? First off, who do we like the most? Start with you, Ben. So I'm tempted to say Duke, right? Based off of what we've seen here, they've gone 11-2 and in their past 13 games ever since that loss to Virginia Tech. But the two losses they had were against the best teams they played in Virginia and Miami. And you can say what you want about the Virginia loss, but they got smoked by Miami. We're, we can be real about that one right there. So I don't, I don't love that overall. And I also think they are on the harder side of the bracket with the Hurricanes being their matchup in the – the potential matchup in the semifinals. So I'm interested to see what Duke looks like, though, overall, and what the vibes are like heading into the big tournament. I also like Duke a lot just because when you you have a young big man as opposed to what usually happens with the teams that get the five stars, they usually go for the guards or the wings. I like the idea of having a young, talented big man as your top guy and then having Jeremy Roach as a veteran guard heading into the ACC tournament. And I know, Ben, you mentioned Miami. They split the season series one and one and now heading into a neutral environment. I think that if that is the matchup that happens between them, assuming no upsets, I think that that could be a good game. 
So I definitely have my eye on Duke also. Looking more at the bottom of the bracket, I wanted to talk about two specific teams that really stand out to me. One of them is North Carolina, who right now, according to the bracketmatrix.com, basically the consensus of every single bracketologist and every single analytic out there, they are in the next four out. So what I what I presume is that North Carolina would have to either get the auto bid or at the very least go to the conference championship to even have any sort of shot. But here's the problem. The 10 seed who would potentially play North Carolina in that second round, Boston College, is a dangerous team that I really like, especially just – if Quinton Post is healthy, they've been a completely different team when he's on the offensive end. He just a stretch big, could shoot the three, an absolute beast in the post, as his name suggests. And I think like the wins that they've had down the stretch kind of speak for themselves. So Boston College, probably the winner of Boston College in North Carolina, honestly, has a very good chance of beating Virginia, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at bid sealers potentially in the ACC, you got two of them, in my opinion. It's either going to be Boston College or Virginia Tech. Either of those are pretty viable in a weaker bottom part of the bracket. But I think that going back to North Carolina, I don't think they can get in this tournament without the auto bid, just based off of the fact that the ACC, while you're mentioning all these like good teams, they're not viewed as good by the NCAA tournament committee. Like if they beat Boston college, I'm going to be pretty impressed, but that's not what the NCAA tournament committee is going to think. Right. So I think it's sort of frustrating probably for, for Tar Heels fans to see that this is the way the the conference is ended up. Well, the last point I will say is I feel like brand recognition matters and the NCAA tournament committee is not going to put in North Carolina if they have no business, but if it's a so-called coin flip where, they have the resume to be right on that bubble. It's like a 50-50 chance. I don't see an instance in which they don't sneak North Carolina into the tournament just because they can. And, Ethan, I'm, I'm wondering if you're agreeing with my line of thinking here. I feel like I have to just because when you have a top program such as North Carolina, preseason number one, you don't want there to be an instance of them not making the tournament. However, right now – they don't deserve it. If they're able to put together a win, two wins, maybe even three or four, then, yeah, you put them in. I think it's going to come down to how many do they, do they get to the ACC championship or not? Because I think if they do, that's how they get in. If they don't, I think that enough teams are going to win that are on the bubble that will keep them out. Also, before we move on to the next conference, just want to note this tournament is absolutely critical to NC State and Pitt. Both have the last four buys right now. They cannot be upset in their first games, and NC State has a dangerous matchup against the winner of Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. I presume that will be Virginia Tech. But let's move on to the next conference we're going to talk about today. That is the Big Ten and their tournament. This one probably equally as interesting I guess the same question to start, who do we like? Because obviously Purdue and Indiana are probably the popular picks. So you could go with one of those. We'll talk dark horses later, but just a championship projection. What what are you thinking? Sure. So um, I like Indiana if Indiana can get to the championship game. 
But getting to the championship game for Indiana is no guarantee. As you've seen before, they've lost to Northwestern in the regular season. They've lost to Illinois in the regular season. They lost to uh, – I'm not sure if they lost to Miller or not, but, like, they are susceptible to losing to teams that theoretically they're worse than. But in a league that's so filled with uncertainty outside of Purdue, and even with Purdue, if you want to say that, by the end of the season, I'm going to take the Hoosiers, I think. Ethan, what about you? So, Ben, like you said, it's a lead with a league with a lot of uncertainty. I'm an Illinois fan. I'm not picking Illinois because there's a million problems, and I've not seen a single solution as of late. So no. I'm going to go with another team that only has a single buy, and I'm going to go with Maryland just because I think that they have the defensive prowess, and they have a lead guard in Jameer Young who might not have been in the Big Ten prior to the season but he's still a veteran guard, and I think that veteran guards are what gets you wins in postseason play. So I'm, I think that if he has a solid three games, I'll, I'll take him. What do we think of Iowa? Iowa's a really interesting case. They are the five seeds. They're the, the best team that only got one by instead of two. But Iowa has just been basically two versions of themselves – and one version was that short stretch that they had without Chris Murray this year, and that was where they suffered some of their worst losses of the season. For example, that Eastern Illinois – was it Eastern Illinois? Yeah, Eastern Illinois loss. But they've been playing some good ball lately. I think they could be a real dark horse in this conference tournament. They are set to play the winner of Ohio State and Wisconsin in their first game. Then would – if they win that, would move on to play Michigan State. What do we think of Iowa? So, yes, they've been playing good ball late as, as of late, but also they just lost to Nebraska in their season finale. Um, so I would probably take that with a grain of salt overall. I just don't trust if, – if you're ever describing a team as one that has two versions of itself, I'm not trusting that team in a single elimination tournament. The thing is, though – it, it, the fact the fact of the matter is it doesn't matter because if you just turn on that one version of yourself, then I feel like in this kind of format, single elimination, it actually benefits you. So I feel like high-variance teams actually tend to do better in these kind of tournaments than low-variance teams. But I guess another team I wanted to bring up was Rutgers because kind of the opposite. I mean, they've completely fallen off a cliff. They finished the season on a two-and-six stretch. They are playing Michigan in the second day of the tournament. That's where they will open. And I'm worried if Rutgers loses that game to Michigan, the committee could justify themselves not even putting Rutgers in at all. What do you think, Ethan? I think that you said perfectly. If Rutgers manages to lose to Michigan, which by all accounts, Michigan's been riding a hot streak with the way they've been playing lately. I'd pick Michigan to win this game. I would not doubt. Rutgers not being in March Madness because what would that be then? Two and seven in their final nine games? That's not something that you can have unless you only have seven losses. It's not looking good for the Scarlet Knights here. And yeah. They need to start playing offense, not just relying on their defense. Totally. Yeah, I would, that's the point I was going to make. I think they are outside of the top 150 in most analytical rankings in terms of offensive efficiency, which is not tournament at large bid bound. 
per se the least. But we're going to move on now from what's been a historically disappointing conference in March to what is this year the best conference in America, the Big 12. And this there's just a number of different teams that could win this tournament. I mean, probably there's a shorter list of teams that I think are not going to win the tournament than teams that can't possibly win, what, three games in a row because it's such a small conference. So I guess I'm actually going to start here at the bottom because that's the bottom of this conference is the bubble and the two Oklahoma schools, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, who sit just outside of the tournament picture right now. Now, they play each other. It's seven Oklahoma State against number 10 Oklahoma. And then the winner would play number two Texas. So I think if if either of those teams beats the other and then beats Texas, they could get in. The problem is I just – I really like Texas right now. I, that's my championship prediction. I just – I don't see them going down. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned this because – I actually think it would be beneficial for Oklahoma and Texas for, for the Big 12 to have all the higher seeds win. Because I think that if Oklahoma State and West Virginia each win, that's much more likely to get the Big 12 eight bids than if Oklahoma and then if Oklahoma and Texas Tech win those opening round games because just because of how the bubble is shaken out. And I don't think either West Virginia or Oklahoma State is safe. Um, if they lose that first game, I just don't think they're going to be in the tournament. So that's just something to look out for. Because at the end of the day, the losses are piling up here for those bottom tier Big 12 teams. And they really need a fresh, uh, not a fresh start at the end, but like they need some sort of positive momentum, I think. Go ahead, Ethan. So I'm just going to start off by saying that realistically, I wish there was a scenario for all 10 of these teams to make March Madness because I'd rather see all 10 of these teams than all than 10 of the 14 Big 10 teams. I, Someone that's a Big Ten fan, I'd rather see this. You know, I've actually said this in the past. Like, the Big 12, in a way, is cannibalizing itself by because of how good they are. They are a victim of their own success because they're going to be disproportionately underrepresented in this tournament. And the only reason is, is because in conference games, how however many teams have to win a game – that many teams have to lose a game. That's just the simple mathematics of conference play. And unfortunately the teams at the bottom, the Texas techs of the world, the Oklahoma's, the Oklahoma States of the world are racking up too many losses, but there's no way you could convince me that these teams are not top 30, top 35 teams in the country. Yeah. They should just go back to, to what big 12 football had. Uh, early in the early in the 2010s with no conference championship game, so they didn't take on extra losses. That's what the Big 12 basketball should do. It should just be no conference tournament so that they don't have to take on the extra losses. I think that'd be a great idea. But um, no, I totally agree with you. I think all these all of these 10 teams, would you say that they are among the 36 best at-large candidates without, like, blind resume? Would you think that they're the 36 best teams? Blind resume, 100%. Yeah, exactly. Right, and that's but and it's frustrating, but that's just the way it is. Um, so that's something to think about there. I want to say I just want to bring up this stat real quick because I found it interesting. You said Texas was your pick to win the national or the the Big Twelve conference title uh, tournament title, but actually Kansas and Iowa State have won eight of the past nine, 
Mm-hmm. So if you're going to pick one of them, I would pick one of those two. And for me, I'm just – I've been a huge fan of the Jayhawks the entire season. I'm going to roll with them. Yeah, Iowa State, if you had to maybe give like a value pick based on seeding, based on overall resume this year, Iowa State for sure. But I'm actually really excited for that Kansas State TCU first round game, or I guess second round game, because I just, I really think that will be very indicative of either team's momentum going into the tournament. I think both teams could really use a win. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited for Kansas State um, TC. That's my second round game I'm most looking forward to. But moving on now to the big. Just one second. Ethan, who do you have? I'm just interested to see what your conference championship big is. I'll be honest. I'd rather just flip a coin for every game because I feel like that would be an easier chance of me getting it correct than me just picking one of the teams. But if I had to, I'll just say Kansas, regular season champ. They beat Texas towards the end of the season. I think it was actually their final regular season game off the top of my head. So I'm just going to go with Kansas, number one seed, basic, but give me the Jayhawks. Fair enough. All right, we move on to the Big East, where we have right now a projected five, yeah, yeah, five teams inside March Madness of the 11-team conference. This is a really – weirdly formatted bracket because of the odd number of teams but who do we like in this one i know my pick i'm gonna i'll I'll say it first i like uconn to be honest they really started to turn it back on their winners of eight of their last nine and ben and i have talked about this previously just how we're super worried about uconn's guard play and just basically how that doesn't translate to a postseason successful formula, but I think their guards have really improved as of late. Jordan Hawkins, a big X factor in this one, their three point shots have been really starting to fall as of late. I think in the last five games, they've had two or three of them where they've hit double digit three pointers. So I'm going to go with UConn as my pick in the big East tournament. Yeah. So I, I almost agree with that. I'm not going to go that far. But I do think the winner of Marquette versus UConn is the Big East champion. I just, with Zach Fremantle being out for the season uh, for Xavier and then Creighton, I just don't like them enough. I think Arthur Kaluma has not played as well as I'd hoped he would play down the stretch. Um, I just don't think that they have the firepower to deal with either Marquette or UConn. I think that's going to be one of the best games you see in the entire conference tournament out of all six conferences. So I'm excited for that one. I think that I, I want to pick Xavier, but Fremantle being out, I understand that their defense has been better without him, but if Nunji gets in foul trouble late, I'd rather them have that option of just, all right, go small, Fremantle at the big. They don't have that now. so And I, I can't trust Creighton. I'm sorry. I still will not trust Creighton. I don't care at this point in the season. I see in what they can do. I – it's like you said, it's going to come down to UConn and Marquette. I'm going to go with Marquette just because I think that realistically they have, might have the best point guard in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I've i been established on this throughout this entire episode. Guard play is key come postseason, and Kolek's going to be a big part of that. For sure. And what do we think of Villanova? Because this, they've obviously had a very disappointing year. The coaching change, 
from Jay Wright to Kyle Neptune, and they started off extremely rough. People thought Villanova was not a Villanova thing, and it was more of a Jay Wright thing. And then they've won some impressive games down the stretch. I think this is a team that obviously they can't really play themselves into the tournament unless they win all four games. But first-round matchup against Georgetown, I think Villanova should win that. And then they would play they would play Creighton in the second round, and we've talked about them. They are particularly vulnerable. So is Xavier, who they play in the – like Villanova, definitely my Cinderella team. They could play spoiler here. Yeah, absolutely. They're the, they're the perpetual bid stealer. I mean, like if you – if you had to look up bid stealer in a dictionary, this Villanova team would be the exact example that I would use, just especially because they have Justin Moore back now. That's a totally different calculus for all the teams that have to play them. Um, I mean, they, they were a top 25 team preseason, I believe, for a reason, right? And I still think they have a lot of those pieces to make a run and and win, especially with a with a generous path that they have through the bottom of the Big East tournament. All right. Anything else on the Big East? No? All right, let's move on to the SEC, the conference where it just means more, and I guess that applies to all conference teams because the awards just came out today and they had eight or nine players on the first team, all SEC, which just makes absolutely no sense to me. But regardless, talking about the tournament, the topic of conversation is always going to revolve around Alabama for the better or for the worse. That's just what SEC basketball is this year and are they going to lose? Like I, I think we've seen obviously in the past couple of weeks and especially since the controversy rose to its peak a couple of weeks ago that they are not unbeatable. There's a lot of distractions in that program. I honestly, if I had to choose the most likely team to win a championship. I'm still going Alabama only because I think their bracket is extremely favorable. They would play the winner of Mississippi State and then in the semifinals, it would be most likely what Missouri, Tennessee. Those are not the specific teams that I'm scared of beating Alabama. Both of the teams that I'm scared of being Alabama or all of the teams pretty much are in the bottom of the bracket. The Texas A&Ms of the world, the Kentuckys, the Auburns. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think you made a great point here about Alabama's. So, yes, I don't, I wouldn't pick Alabama to win much of anything at this point, but who's going to beat them? Mm-hmm. The only reason Texas A&M beat them on Saturday is because Alabama shot like they were, you know, an eighth grade JV team or whatever from three point. They weren't Texas, I don't think Texas, Texas A&M played good defense, but they didn't stop Alabama. Alabama beat themselves in that game. Alabama proved they can come from whatever it was down, like double digits down against Auburn and win that game. I just don't think that there's someone in the SEC that can hold up for three straight games like you have to do in a tournament and then go and play Alabama and beat them. So I'm going to take the Crimson Tide. I feel like I have to side with both of you, and I hate it because I don't want to just – continue to choose some of the one seeds but i feel like the the sec especially has alabama and they want and you said perfectly 
they won the lottery with this. They have the perfect drawing for them. They can beat Tennessee. They can beat Missouri. They can beat Mississippi State, Florida, Ole Miss, South Carolina. If either of those two teams manage to make it to play them. I'm not afraid until they play Kentucky personally. I think that they'd get their revenge against Texas A&M. I think it really would be if Kentucky's on fire, they could beat them, but that's the only way I see this Alabama team losing in the SEC tournament. Yeah, let's talk about that semifinals matchup or potential semifinals matchup briefly between Kentucky and Texas A&M, the two versus the three. Ethan, you said you likely think it's going to be Kentucky, but – Ben, I'm interested what your opinion is on this because it's kind of – I mean, it's fascinating because both of these teams were not expected to be here a couple months ago for very different reasons. Kentucky, because the topic of college basketball is how their entire program is falling apart. And for AM because, well, they were not doing too well either, but obviously that was more quiet because Texas A&M is not a program that's supposed to be winning all these games, but either way, what, what are we thinking between this Texas A&M Kentucky's potential semifinals matchup? If, if it happens. Yeah. I was going to say, so first of all, Texas A&M has to get past the winner of Arkansas Auburn. And I think if you're going to pick a dark horse candidate in the sec, it's going to be Arkansas just with the talent they have, which with Nick Smith returning. And even though they don't have Trayvon Brazil, they're the second most talent third most talented team at worst in the sec. But to answer your question specifically about Texas A&M and Kentucky, I would say it matters. It all depends on Kaysen Wallace's injury status, but they just went and beat the Hogs on the road um, without Wallace. So I'm going to take Kentucky. I just think that they're a little bit more developed and a little bit more well-rounded as a squad overall than Texas A&M is. Texas A&M relies a lot on just getting fouled and going to the line and Wade Taylor hitting like 17 free throws in a game. And then they end up winning by four or whatever. I don't think that's going to really work against Kentucky's level of, of player. All right. So last conference of the day, we're going to talk about the pack 12 <clears throat> and this one's definitely the most top heavy of all of them. UCLA is my team to beat maybe nationally at this point. I think that's just the, uh, undisputed favorite in this conference. Obviously Arizona is right there in terms of resume is right there in terms of rankings and the AP poll and all that, but it's gotta be UCLA. I, I just don't see the debate here. They, yes, they can lose, but it, it's hard to say they're likely to lose at all at this point. They have two conference losses in the season. That was just one bad week. Arizona and USC, they lost to both on the road in consecutive games. But, Ethan, you've alluded to it. This is the common opinion among almost every single college basketball expert. Guards win the postseason, and UCLA definitely has that. Go ahead, Ethan. I was going to say, so, Dan, I also have UCLA as my team to beat nationally. I actually think, my assuming these two teams are able to meet in the national championship, I have UCLA beating Miami personally. But they have guards, they have defense, they have shooting. They have a young big who is able to play defense. I think UCLA is the most complete team, and only team that can stop them is if Arizona gets hot in the championship or if Oregon somehow shoots the lights out against them. And shooting the lights out, I mean, like a historical amount, which it's hard to predict that, so I'm 
UCLA easy sweep. I don't think they have a game within single digits in the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, the the one thing that worries me about UCLA is is I know I've been harping on injuries this entire podcast basically, but if Jalen Clark is not 100%, Jalen Clark is the best defensive player in the country and he means a lot to this UCLA team. So I just want to see how they respond to that, but even then are you not you're not worried if you're UCLA until what? At least the semifinals, even maybe the finals against Arizona cuz if I'm being honest, Oregon doesn't really worry me. Maybe USC is the is the third team here. Um, but Pac-12 is a three-bid league for a reason this year, and we're, we're seeing it play out in the conference tournament. What do you like on the bottom side of the bracket, Arizona versus USC? Because I can see Arizona losing to USC if it, if they happen to match up in the semis. It did not happen in either meeting in the regular season, or I think they, I think they met twice, and Arizona won both. But I think the Trojan size and athleticism, like, I, I think they can match up player for player with Arizona and Arizona is also much more susceptible to losing to teams that are ranked worse than them than UCLA is. But if I were to predict the championship right now, I'd say, honestly, it's, it's the two California, the two LA schools, UCLA over USC. Yeah, absolutely. Boogie, Boogie Ellis has been on a heater lately for USC. He's a super fun player to watch. So, and just, I just don't, Arizona should be better than they are, right? Like if Tubelis is the the king that everyone says he is of the of the West, right? The first team All American. I don't, I don't get it, man. I I, I just feel like there's something missing from Arizona that oh. will stop them, um, especially in the big dance, but also maybe in the Pac-12 tournament. I just there, I it, something feels off about it. I agree, I agree. Anything else to say, Ethan? I actually think Arizona State makes it out of the bottom part to face Arizona in the semifinal. Mm. Just yeah. I feel like they're playing for that spot because realistically, what are the teams making it from the Pac-12 currently on bracket matrix? We got UCLA and Arizona as a two seed. We got USC as a 10 seed and Arizona State is the first four out. So they would need yeah. an impressive tournament performance for sure. So they need to get to that semifinal bare minimum mm-hmm. yeah so. they're definitely better than the sixth team best team in the pack 12 that's for sure but that's where they're seated so we'll see how it goes next time we're recording by the way we will have a bracket selected and we will be previewing march madness probably yeah we'll probably go region by region and um thanks for watching it or listening wherever you have produce wherever you have consumed this content here for cbb review studio uh please subscribe to our cbb review channel for more content like this we will be really cranking up the content here that's what me and ben have come here to do so be sure to subscribe and be sure to like this video leave a comment but thanks for watching once again thanks for listening and take care